Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I want you to get your Bibles out. Time to jump into God's Word. Open up your Bibles, two locations, Proverbs chapter 18 and Numbers chapter 13. The uh, verses are there. They're on the screens. I want you to find those two locations, and we're going to dive into some teaching today. I'm building on something I introduced a few weeks ago about taking your promised land, about taking the land God has for you. Uh, last week, I talked about the necessity of, if we're, we're going to do this, if we're going to conquer what's there, uh, the necessity of protecting your mind. But then, but then as our minds get, get, uh, get into the right condition, the right place, then we have to take a look at something else. And, and this is, the, I've entitled this message, A Life and Death Matter, because what you say goes a long way to determining your entire existence, a life and death matter. It's a serious title, but the title is actually from the scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you today. So find those two locations if you want to put those back up on the screen so everyone can see that. And one more time, that'll be helpful. Uh, So it is a life and death matter of what we say. Now, if I'm a negative, pessimistic type of a person, if I'm saying I'm a loser or an outcast, I'm a hopeless, it's, I, that I'm just a disaster, I will eventually become what I speak. But if I'm bold and confident and, and, uh, and charismatic and, and, and optimistic because I've been protecting my mind, I'm going to say I'm blessed by God. I'm enthralled by God. I'm healed. I'm successful. I'm relationally healthy. I'm thriving. And I'm just in love with life. I'm joyful. And this then is what I will become. You actually will become what you say. First uh, Peter chapter three verse ten says this. It says, "Whoever would love life and see good days." Important words there. Uh, who would love life and see good days? How many of you guys, even though you may not love everything right now, do, do you want to love life? Yeah. Do you want to see good days? Okay, good. Now let's take a look at the rest of it. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil. <laughs> So your words have everything to do with how much you love life and what you're going to see in your life. In fact, even for a city, uh, I, I believe that the condition and the attitude of a city itself is the results of what. Good culture in our city is by speaking words of life. Uh, every, in fact, every city creates its own culture, uh, and it's created by the verbal confessions of the people who are a part of that city. So, so therefore, what's happening around you today is intricately connected to things that have been spoken in the past. 
And, uh, and if you don't believe it, look at how it works within a family. Look at how it works within a relationship. You start saying things and speaking things, and then a home where the business begins to move in a certain direction. It works for cities as well. But the thing we've got to take responsibility for is for us first, and then for the relationships closest to us, and then we move outward for our, our business and our, our friendship networks and for our neighborhoods and our city as well. In fact, our city is coming up against, a, coming up against but uh, having a big huge uh, election which will in many ways direct the future of our city here in just a few weeks. It's going to be very important that you're knowledgeable and that you know what you're doing and that you're speaking words of life and that you're praying and that you're making good decisions because the future even of our, of our community has so much to do with what we even begin to say right now. And I'll talk more about that later. But one of the things that, that I saw, I saw this uh, as a result of my time in ministry. When I went to, to Christian college, I went to Christian University, Bible College is often what it's called. I, uh, I, I went and, and I got to know a lot of wonderful people. I got to meet some fantastic people. And, and I would be around some people that we would, we would sit around and, and talk about the future. We, like, we have, when I'm pastor, I'm going to pastor here. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And God's going to use me to, to reach these nations or God's going to use me. We started believing and speaking about things that, had, that did not exist yet. I mean, trust me, we were like 18, 19-year-old kids just sitting around dormitories talking about the future that was out there. And, and, and occasionally, I, I also remember there were other people I went to college with that were studying to be ministers, but they were negative. They were like, like all they did is talk down about other churches. They talked down about other people. They talked down, you know, they would talk down to, to just other students. Like, oh, you just think you're so good. Or you just think you know so much about the Bible. I mean, they, they would do things like that. Like I was in a preaching class and I would preach a sermon and I'd get like Fs from some people. It's like, well, I just don't like you. So I'm going to give you an F. I'm like, okay, well, great. Uh, but those kind of things really happen in Bible college. And and here's what's interesting. Now, now that I'm through it all, because I was just like, this is just weird. You know, I was like, what's going on? Because I would see the, the, the positive, and then I would see this smaller group of just negative, pessimistic, grouchy, grumpity people. Grumpity, that's a new word. Write that down. And what I saw now years later, 20 years later, like all the grumpities, I don't even know where they are. It's like they, they, they dropped off the face of the earth. They, I'm, they're not pastoring. They're not doing anything. And the people, when we sat and we talked and we believed and we dreamed and we spoke words of life to each other, I mean, what happened is God blessed those pastors. God blessed those ministers. And, and some of them are leading explosive ministries today. And, it's, and I remember what they said in the dorms years and years ago. Guys, I'm telling you, this is potent here. Uh, I want you to get these principles into your life. You're protecting your mind. You're putting the right things into your mind, but understand this. Proverbs 18.21, look at it. This is, one of, this is our key scripture today. Look at this. Proverbs 18.21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of of life and death. That's why I call this a life and death matter because it is. And this is so overlooked in the culture. So overlooked in the culture, but not in the church. Not, at least not in this church, all right? The tongue has the power of life and death. Case closed right there. Yeah. Now let's look at the second part of that scripture. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
Now, those who love it. When I'm studying this, I, I, I looked at that and I go, okay, what's the it? <laughs> those who love it. What, the love their tongue? You don't know. Actually, it says those, it refers, the it back, refers back to life. Those who love life will eat it. That means you're going to enjoy the abundance, the fruit. You're going to enjoy this abundance that, 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 that other people won't get to enjoy simply because you have spoken words of life. You're enjoying life, and you're going to receive abundance. You're going to walk in it. That's true. But I'll also say one of the major temptations of believers is to be negative and critical, and it is a major temptation, and you know you face it just like I do. We all do. We all do. That's what I'm you into battle against that today because if you're going to conquer the land God has for you, we've got to stop negativism and, and the critical words because we, we, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. We're all tempted to do this. And, and from time to time, you give in to that temptation. But the problem is when you give in to that temptation, it becomes deadly to your own soul. But you can overcome it. Like I shared last week with, with prayer and strong faith and, and, and the right words and having that helmet of the hope of salvation in place that is so important because it begins with our souls. It begins on the inside because what's on the inside eventually makes its way out. That's why we need to have the, the word of God flooding our hearts and our minds constantly. Because God's word changes our hearts, it changes our minds, and then different words come out. That's what, see, but what eventually comes out of your mouth, that is the life and death matter. But you got to go back to the source. When you speak, things happen. Things happen. Now, I've shared this with you before, but, it, but I must repeat it over and over, that the Hebrews, and these are the, these are the, the Jewish people in the Hebrew language, believe this, that when a word is spoken that it literally takes on life itself. That's, that's what is believed by them. And so, so I think we should believe that as well, that when words are spoken, we're creating life. We have creative power. We do. We are made in the image of God. God spoke, things happen. Now, I'm not saying you're God, but I'm saying your words have creative power because we are made in his image. This is a life and death matter. Uh, if there are areas of your life that are dying where darkness is taking over, maybe there's emptiness and hopelessness and, and negativity that, that, that's there, I want you to remember this. Remember Proverbs 18.21. Don't forget it. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, who love life, you're going to eat its fruit. You're going to enjoy its abundance. So begin speaking now in a new way. And what you'll see is death, death is going to begin to dwindle away. You're going to begin to see life wherever you are. Instead of darkness, you're going to begin to see light. Instead of emptiness, you're going to begin to have a filling. You're going to be filled with the blessings, the abundance of life. That's the good things God has for us. You're going to reap the fruit of what you sow with your mouth because every word is like a seed. Now, it doesn't produce whatever. It doesn't produce it immediately, typically. Typically, it takes a little bit of time. But whatever you speak is a seed, and it goes, and it's going to produce fruit. 
what you say in your home, what you say to one another in relationships, in a marriage, what, you, what you're speaking is producing something. And you're going to have to harvest it at one point or another. So why not just start by putting the right seed in the ground? I like this, Proverbs 12, verse 18. <laughs> this is a great scripture. It says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, health. What brings health? Words from wise people. So now, and hear me, no matter how bad things may look uh, around you or in the world or no matter how difficult things appear to be in your home or at your office or in your business, even though you might feel like the whole world is against you, refuse to lean into and to begin to speak pessimism and negativity because if you're reckless with your words... What, you're, what the scripture says is that you're like a child who's playing with a deadly weapon, and that's not a good thing. Now, we're, we're good Texans here, and so... Right? But that's what happens. That's what it's like when we're careless with our words. And we're just speaking negative. So, so the scripture says, be wise. Now, now... I, I want to challenge you on something. I want to challenge you to get into the Word of God and to really get into the book of Proverbs. There was this one point in my life several years ago where I felt like I just started praying for wisdom. God, I need wisdom. I, I feel like I'm kind of stuck and I'm hanging here and I don't know what to do. And I felt God say, I want you to read the book of Proverbs over and over and over all year long. One chapters in the book of Proverbs, that's one for each day of the month. And I want you to read it for a month and read it for another month, read it for another all year long. I want you to read it. And, and I did. I obeyed God. It's pretty simple. It was a chapter a day, very easy, just a few minutes. And then you'd have, well, at a, at, if you have a small month, well, then great. You get some extra stuff to read. Yeehaw. I mean, that's, that's good. And so I would get through it. I went through it again and again and again and again. And I found that after a while, I was starting to act different, talk different, and I found myself actually stepping into situations and bringing health and healing where there was pain. So I found my words had actually changed because I was pouring into myself God's word, just the word of, the word of God that comes from the book of Proverbs. So who is a wise person? Well, according to this scripture, a wise person is one who speaks words of life. Now, you might say, but yeah, that's good, that's fine, but I feel really defeated and I feel really weak right now. Okay, I understand because everyone has been there and many of you are there right now. This doesn't mean that just because you feel defeated and you feel weak that something is, is, is that, that God, God's mad at you and, and everything is going to fall apart. I understand that. But when you are in a situation like that, you begin to turn it around even with your words. Do you know that Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says this? It says, let the weak say, I am strong. Now, that's, you're not lying you're not lying, but what you're doing is you're making a positive declaration. I am strong. Well, I don't feel strong, but you know, God's going to give me strength. I am strong with the power of God. Add on add to what, whatever you want to. But let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. So you begin to say the opposite of what you feel, asking for the power of God to engage you and, and watch what begins to happen. So if you're weak, stop talking about how weak you are. Because if you keep talking about how down you are and how weak you are, how, how horrible things are, it, you're just going to keep yourself stuck there. 
And that's not my law. That's the law of God. That's a law from God's word. So if you want a more successful family, you even begin speaking words of blessing about them and blessing over them. Some of you ladies, you want a better husband. Well, you just start telling him how wonderful he is. Well, he's not. Start telling him how wonderful he is. But he's not. Tell him how wonderful he is. Watch what begins to happen. The guy will go like, whoa. It's a sneaky thing, ladies, but it works. It does. Guys, I'm sorry I blew that. I just exposed it, but it's true. It's true. We'll believe it. <laughs> like then we'll go. Oh, okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do better. But that's really how it does work. Your words are a life and death matter potentially to your marriage. Okay. Now I want you to get your Bibles and look in this passage of Scripture that we're going to examine today. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 is where we're going to start. Now God's people give you the setting here. God's people two years prior to what we're about to read. They had been set free from slavery uh, in Egypt. They had gone across the Red Sea. God had worked incredible miracles. They went over to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and Moses went up there and got the Ten Commandments, and they saw the lightning and the clouds and everything. And Moses came down off the mountain and, and, uh, and eventually gave them the instructions on how to build the tabernacle and how to build the Ark of the Covenant, and all this cool stuff was going on. So all of these amazing things were happening from God in these first couple of years as they were in the desert. God was preparing them now to go into their promised land. So Moses said, okay, it's time for us to go conquer the promised land. So I'm going to do a thing. I'm going to do this deal where I'm, we're going to choose uh, a representative from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So these are 12 family tribes that have been for hundreds of years. And, and he selected these, these leaders. And, and so these men... They were representatives, and they went into Israel today, and they began to examine it, to look at it, to come up with a strategy and a plan for them to conquer the land. So Moses sat back, let them do their job. They're going to be gone for a few weeks, and, and they're going to be sneaking around, checking things out, and they're going to come back, okay, here's the strategy, here's the plan, here's what's good, here's, here's how, here are going to be our challenges, and we're going to do this. So... He was excited. The, the, the men were coming back, and they were coming back. They could see him walking in, and, and Moses' assistant said, hey, okay, they're, they're coming, they're coming. It's time for the big meeting. It's time for the big meeting. And that's where we pick up on this 26. So you're ready. You've you got to get this. This is, this is an incredible story right here. It has everything to do with what I'm talking about today. Okay, it says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Haran. How many of you guys have been there? Don't lie. You don't even know where that is. All right. And they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Oh, man. This is abounding. They even said that they brought clusters of grapes that they had to, had to carry in on poles because they were just so massive and huge. <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome. So things are looking good here, right? And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Now, that term milk and honey doesn't literally mean there were sticky rivers and, you know, caramel everywhere. It's just, that's not exactly what that meant. That just meant there was abundance, okay? It meant abundance. So that's, yeah, it's just abundance. It don't make sense to us today just like we do as well. Okay, but it does flow with milk and honey. They said, here's its fruit. So everything's looking good until they get to this next line. And they say, but... Okay, now follow closely here, because I saw something in this I've never 
never seen before. And they're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there, and that, that word just meant tall people. Tall people. Uh, it doesn't mean giants or anything. It just means tall people. Just, just like, like, these are some tall people that live there. Some of you are descendants of Anak, okay? All right. We saw the descendants of Anak there. We go on to say the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So they're telling where all these different... You see, they're starting to, it's starting to sound negative. It says then Caleb, Caleb was one of the 12 who went in, okay? And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should just like, be quiet. Okay, stop. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. God's already promised them they could do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, okay, here, here it goes. You'll see why this is a life and death matter. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than us. How many of you have been up against a battle? When you, when you begin to say that, thank God we're not in the Old Testament because this, this stuff's about to get really crazy here. And, and then, look on, it says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. So they're not talking about any of the good things. They're talking about how bad it is. Now, here's what I saw that I had never seen before. They start exaggerating and flat out lying. How many of you have been there before? You, you're, you're in a bad situation, but then you just start exaggerating, and you're making it worse in your own mind, and you get to start talking about it, and then, you, then before you know it, you're saying stuff that never happened, and it's like really terrible and terrible bad. That happens. That happens. Wait till it happen right here. Look at it. It says, the land we explore devours those living in it. Like, what? Okay, you see how ridiculous this is? They're going and selling people like, the land is eating people. And they're going, oh, no, we don't want to go there. Keep looking. And the people we saw there are of great size. That means they were giants. Now, first of all, when they give their original report, they said, yeah, they're tall. Now they're saying they're giants. And we saw the Nephilim there. Now I want to pause here for just a second. The Nephilim were killed in the flood. They don't exist anymore. They don't even exist anymore. They're making this up. The Nephilim were... I'm not getting into all the talking on Nephilim. Do your own studies on that. Some people actually take this and said, yeah, this is proof that Nephilim were there after the flood. No, it's not. They were just making up a bunch of stuff. They were just talking about, yeah, these giant creatures, you know, these 50 feet tall monsters are there. Like, no, they're not. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So they're comparing themselves, stature size, like we're a grasshopper, here's like a normal person. That's how big these, these people are. Okay, do you see? Another exact, that's just a flat out lie. And then look, look, look how far it goes. And we looked the same. They know. How do they know what they were thinking? So they had somehow tapped into the brains of the tall people, calling them now Nephilim, thinking that these, these tall people think, oh, you're a grasshopper. You see how ridiculous it had gotten? And they had spread this among thousands and thousands of people. Okay. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Keep reading. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Now you see 
how the, the shape of a, this is an entire nation is being shaped. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, so now they're mad at Moses and Aaron. <laughs> okay? If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Now they're wishing death upon themselves because these guys created this scenario that was insane that wasn't even true. How often does that happen around us? Come on, keep going. that in the season. Why did God take me into this bad place and it's all going to fall apart for me anyway? Why, 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 God? And I'm saying, stop the nonsense. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. Protect your mind. Protect your heart. God, that is not God's intent. That's not God's plan. That is the negative, pessimistic feelings that the enemy is trying to heap on you. Oh, come on. Somebody say that's good. All right. It gets better though. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Now they're making up. Gonna come steal my kids for me now. And somebody's gonna take my wife. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt and be slaves again and be beaten with whips? It would be so much better. <laughs> and that's why, like, and every morning they're getting their fresh manna off the ground. God's feeding them. God's sending them food. God's blessing them. God's protecting them. They're, they can see the fire of God over them at night, keeping them warm. During the day, it's a cloud over them. What? What? In other words, choose a new leader. Let's get rid of the leadership here. Let's go back to Egypt. See, negativity, it, it spreads more rapidly than good reports. And, and these people, you, you look at that, they had moved themselves into emotional trauma based upon the exaggerations and even the flat-out lies. And it causes them to blame leadership. That causes them to question God. They're, they were questioning God. And ultimately, what they were doing is they were cursing themselves. Now, look down at verse 26. Chapter 14, verse 26. Look at this verse. said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? Why are they complaining? I have heard the complaints of those grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Oh, my word. God is saying, if, if, if you're going to keep talking, why are you still grouching and grumbling? Why are you so negative and pessimistic about how the world is falling apart? Now, Because you're saying that, I'm just going to go ahead and let it happen to you. Do you realize this is our words? This is a life and death matter. This is no small thing. And the truth is, they all died in the desert. <laughs> they did. They died in the desert. I'm telling you, some of you, maybe, maybe things went sour for you over the past year uh, financially or with your business, or maybe your husband is addicted to drugs and alcohol, and maybe he won't get a job, and maybe you've lost some of your best clients, and, and possibly your house was flooded and still is flooding. I, I don't know. But are you going to allow those problems to make yourself feel like a grasshopper above your problems? Don't look at your problems with natural eyes. Look at them from the spiritual perspective. Now, Caleb and Joshua, Joshua was another one who came out speaking a good report. So there were 10 who spoke bad, two who spoke positive, all right? Caleb and Joshua were the only two among all the adults over 20 
who eventually went into the promised land because they were the only two who believed it and confessed it and spoke it, we can do it. And they actually not only got to live longer, they got to take possession of it, they got to bring their own families into the promised land, they got to live in the land that they had explored. But they had to wait another 38 years because everybody else being grouchy and grumbling. We don't want to go there. But see, what they did, because they spoke faith with their words, they're the only two people who actually got to go in and take this. And they became the future leaders of the faithful. Do you realize God could even put you into position of leadership because you're remaining faithful. Your words stay correct. Positive, life-giving words will bring you the blessing of life. It's in the scriptures, and I've read it to you. And it will bring it. And, 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 and it, it can even bring you the blessings of life in the midst of overwhelming despair and, and negative circumstances that you might even be going through yourself. Now, look a few verses back in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Because I like what he says here. He says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me. A different spirit. He was one of those, those 12 spies. But God said, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. My goodness, that's good to underline right there. And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Now, if, if Caleb had a different, I want to have a different spirit. I want that to be me. I, I want to be different. I want to be different. See, the different spirit means this. Is he saw the same stuff they saw. He saw the challenges. But he saw them through spiritual eyes, and he verbalized his faith that God's going to pull me through. God's going to get us through. We can do this. We can do this. And I believe that our biggest challenge here in the midst of this, this life and death matter of, of, of our words, is that we become people of a different spirit. And, and, and even in the midst of this, 10 of the spies said one thing. Two, Caleb was one of them. Joshua was the other. Said something completely different. Even if you are outnumbered, outnumbered like that, that's, that's like six to one. That's, you're definitely outnumbered. That means like, I don't, I don't know the percentage, but what, 80, 80% of the people around you are acting a certain way, then you need to be part of the 20% that's going to act different. You're going to simply walk different, act different, talk different, speak different, because you don't care. <laughs> you don't care that, that uh, I mean, you do care, but, but you, don't, you don't care about all that stuff you see, and you're not going to engage it and believe it and, and, and escalate it to some crazy level that doesn't even exist and start lying about it. You're going to say, you know what? It, things might be tough, but with God, all things are possible, and I'm going to be part of the 20%. And if God has to take us and put us into that 20%, then wonderful because we're going to inherit the land. I want that for you. That means being of a different spirit, a different spirit than the other 80%. Being of a different spirit means something like this, like what Psalm 118.24 says. It says that's where you get up and you say, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did you wake up that way this morning? Now, you may not have. You may not have because you, you lost an hour of sleep. Now, this is true. This is me last night, and, and I'm working on, on putting this together, and, and I realize how late it's getting, and, and all of a sudden, it hits me. Like, I get up between 4 and 4.30 on Sunday mornings, and then, then all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, no, I'm going to be getting up at really, like, 3, 3.30 a.m. My life is, I, I did it, I did it, I did it. I, I was thinking it. My life is hard. I don't want to do this. I, I can, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do. All that started happening in my mind. And I was like, Tim, 
look at your sermon. And, and I just looked right here at this verse, like, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So I felt God saying, get your little feet on the ground tomorrow when your alarm goes off and stand up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Don't care how dark it is outside because it's been dark when I've been waking up all the time. Last, you know, all winter anyway. So let's get going. Let's get going. Quit looking. It's like, let's get going. And, and, and so I, I did. I went to bed with that attitude and woke up this morning and, okay, here we go. Boom. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I run out this little prayer. Maybe this is a little prayer that you could use. But thank God for a new day. I love the life you have given me today, and I'm going to make the best of it today. I know that today will bring something special to me. Today I will operate in wisdom and bring life to those around me. I choose to rise above the difficulties that will come my way, and you know they do. Being a Christian doesn't mean you don't have difficulties. Being a Christian means you rise above them, all right? I also choose to have a positive, pleasant attitude because great and marvelous things will happen to me and great and marvelous things will happen through me today in spite of what I see. That, that is having a different spirit. That's what I'm challenging us to do. Differentiate yourself from the rest of the culture, the other 80%. Proverbs 18, 21, what does it say? The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love life That's why today I'm needing for you just to begin to declare, I am healed. My family is coming back to Jesus. I am going to see success around the corner. I am going to recover. I am going to break through. I'm not going to stay where I am. I don't care what the other 80% of the people around me are saying. I'm going to get together with the 20%. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to get together with 20%. I'm going to be here among people who are speaking life and speaking blessing. Well, what if I'm, but things really are bad. Well, what? Strong. Yes. That's where it begins. It is a life and death matter for you. Let's choose life. Let's choose life. I'd like to want to pray for everybody in this room. I just want to pray over you. In fact, if you feel comfortable doing so, would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Nobody, nobody's caring. <laughs> just, just lift your hands to the Lord. Just receive this prayer. God, I just pray blessing over this congregation right now. I pray for healing. I pray for, for just a new positive uh, uh, angle on things. God, we're not going to just take things as they are, but I pray that the people of this church... to speak differently. We're going to say, even though I feel weak, I'm going to say, I'm strong. Today is a good day. I'm blessed by God. God is going to carry me through this. I am well able to take this new new territory God has put out in front of me. I'm not going to be bound by the past. I'm not going to be tied up by, by what other people have said. I'm going to rise above. And God, I pray that the people who are hearing me right now, we will rise up and we will be of a different spirit. We will be of a different spirit. We will differentiate ourselves from the rest of the world and who are just can't seem to pull out of their, their, their slump. God, we just choose to differentiate ourselves that because we will be the ones who will be victorious. We will be the ones who will have life. We will be the ones who, in fact, I even believe some of you, you're going to step into some leadership positions. You're going to step into positions of authority because you are seeing things not just as they are. You're seeing things as they can be through the power of God. And, and this culture is looking for leaders. This culture is looking for men and for women who can look a 
above the current craziness and say, no, I believe in something greater. God has something greater for me. I'm going to step into it. I thank you, God. You're raising up leaders in this group right here who are going to make a difference in culture, who are going to shape culture with their words, who are going to declare the goodness of God and are not going to be pulled down, not going to be pulled down, not going to be pulled down by the culture in Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.